Today, we've got one of the world's foremost knowledge experts on Amazon Advanced Strategy and PPC, Matt, back on the show, and he's going to be answering all of your questions live, as well as answering a lot of my advanced questions on things like variation listings, auto campaigns, broad campaigns, ranking, and much more. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Want to keep up to date with trending topics in the e-commerce world? Make sure to subscribe to our blog. We regularly release articles that talk about things such as shipping and logistics, e-commerce in other countries, the latest changes to Amazon Seller Central, how to get set up on new platforms like Newegg, how to write and publish a book on Amazon KDP, and much, much more. Check these articles out at h10.me forward slash blog. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that is our Tacos Tuesday PPC show of the week, or of the month, I should say, where we go in-depth into anything and everything Amazon advertising with a special guest that we have. And uh, this this week, uh, or this month, we're going to have a special guest. We're going to invite him up. Uh, we're having some technical difficulty. I'm here at the uh, Helium 10 office. Uh, actually here in Irvine, California today. So I don't have my regular setup uh, here, uh, but wanted to you know make sure uh, everybody's having a great Q4 so far. All right, let's go ahead and bring up our guest of the month. And it is Matt from Clear Ads. Matt, how's it going? Good, good. How are you doing, Bradley? Doing awesome, doing awesome. Where are you actually uh, uh, watching us uh, from? Where, where are you located? Um, so currently in uh, London, so we're, we're here in London for the next few months, um, but we, we moved to Spain about six months ago. So, Oh, nice. Yeah, how's how's, how's that been? Where, whereabouts in Spain? Uh, we're in Barcelona. Uh, it's been great so far. Um, loving it. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I, um, have you been to any FC Barcelona games uh, since you've been, been out there? We haven't yet, no, but it is at the top of my list. Yeah, I've been to um, been to a couple when Messi was when Messi was still there. Of course, the, those are good. Those are good times. Love, uh, love Spain. Now, just in general, you know, like we've had you on the podcast before, and you know, you gave us uh, really cool cool strategies in general. Today, we're kind of going to be focused on on PPC. That that's like one of your your uh, specialties, uh, mm -hmm. but. Can you can you talk a little bit about your background and and you know how you came into that Amazon space? If maybe somebody might be listening to you for the first time, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, so been in the space since gosh around 2011. Um, started in college actually uh, selling textbooks and retail arbitrage. Um, so did that for about three to four years. Um, kind of scaled up my bankroll to where I could get into private label and. Um, jumped at it and honestly launched a bunch of crap. Um, we did really well for a few years until a lot of the manufacturers just started going direct to Amazon and had some pretty bad years, but uh, pivoted, got into supplements and food, and that's where we've been for like the last six years. Awesome, awesome. Now, um, you you are known for a lot of like really next level strategies. You know, we we've been we've had you before at our elite workshop and things. And so thinking just first of all, I mean, it could be about PPC, but just think, thinking outside of PPC almost with all this new data 
that Amazon has come out with in the last couple of years. I mean, I think a lot of us were even surprised years ago when brand analytics came out, you know, and then yep. nowadays search career performance and things like that. This is stuff that I would say, I don't know about you, but, but me like four years ago, I would have bet $10,000 that there's no way Amazon would ever tell you exactly how many sales are coming from, you know, a, a non-normalized search and, and what the click share percentage of top 10 competitors are and this yeah. and that. I mean, people were paying Amazon employees thousands of dollars for these underground reports that weren't even as robust as what is now available for everybody. So what what's your favorite thing? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's search career performance. Your yeah. favorite thing that Amazon has come out with and then what part of that especially do you think is super powerful that Amazon sellers should be using? Yeah, so I would definitely say search career performance is up there. Um, I would say they, they haven't changed too much about it in the last like year and a half, but really where we've been getting a lot of knowledge and data from is Product Opportunity Explorer. Um, mm. I would say like this used to be kind of bland um, like yeah. a year or so ago. Um, they've recently updated it and the amount of data that they are giving you uh, is insane. I mean, they're telling you exactly if you sell such and such supplement, these are the 15 keywords that matter. Here's the trends on that. Here's the seasonality. Like every data point that you really need is there. And that's what you need to win on. Um, I would say the other big one, though, is the um, new reports in the brand analytics where it's giving you greater details into your customer segments. Um, so like we sell in consumables and we've always kind of taken a strategy on ads that, hey, like even if our A cost is 100%, what is our cost per net new customer? And we were trying to manually calculate that previously. And now they're telling you specifically by week how many returning customers, how many net new customers you have. Um, so it's really helped us dial in the ads for that specific strategy. Okay, cool. Like one thing I, I always liked about Product Opportunity Explorer, even when it was kind of bland, as you said, was seeing how many, for example, how many products it took to make up, or in the old days, 80% of the sales for the entire niche. Now they, they kind of like, without even announcing it, they, they changed it to 90%. But then it'll be interesting to see that, you know, some, you know, quote unquote markets or niches, what they call it, um, you know, would have like 200 products, meaning it's kind of like wide open. It takes 200 products just to make up 80 or 90% of the sales. And now, you know, there might be some where it's like only 40 so or, or, or 10, you know, like we're like, wow, there's there's 10, 10 people dominating this. Now, how would you personally use that information? Like is one or the other like better than the other? Yeah. Um, so the great thing about Product Opportunity Explorer is it, it really shows you what keywords are driving the sales for those. So more than how many products are there, we're looking at are there branded terms that are in the Product Opportunity mm. Explorer. So like an example that we were looking at this past week was for a floor cleaning product. And we saw that of the 20 top like 50 keywords, Bona was one of the main sales driving keywords. Like even if there weren't that many products in that category, we aren't going to be able to overcome that branded search deficit. So it's just not something that we would go into. Um, but we, we definitely prefer to go into categories where those sales are spread across more. Um, the main reason for that is we really like to do kind of, um, I would call it kind of like tailgating. We like to kind of stay behind everyone and we'll pull like 
10% of the sales from this person, from this person, and you can kind of pick off keywords from certain top products and they may not notice that you're coming up. And then you can really use that to catapult yourself to the top of the category before the rest of the products in the category realize what's happening. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Now just, you know, switching gears and going, you know, kind of like PPC, let, let, let's do like some kind of beginner question. Then let's do some, 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 some advanced uh, things, but just, I always ask a lot of the, the the Tacos Tuesday guests about their strategy on this because I think this is applicable almost to any level of seller. But what's your your kind of like rule set as far as uh, when you promote keywords from like an auto or broad to to an exact, and also when you negative match so on the promotion side? Like in other words, like are are you looking for at least you know just one uh, sale, or does it have mm-hmm. to be two or three like in the auto, and then? And then, and then you, you put it in, um, or what, what's your criteria for, for moving something from an auto to a exact? Yeah. Um, so short answer, we're usually looking for two sales and a click through rate above like 0.2%. Um, that's kind of like our North star metric. Um, but it, it really depends on the strategy of that campaign. Um, like if we're, wanting to run a lot of just awareness. We're going after ones where we may not even have sales at all, but we have a high click-through rate because it's a discovery keyword that someone's kind of navigating that category with. Um, So it it varies, but typically it's two orders and above like a 0.2% click-through. Okay, awesome. On the flip side, when are you negative uh, matching? Like, uh, is it a certain number of clicks uh, is it a certain number of clicks that uh, you have to have? Is it spend that you're looking at without a sale? Um, and then the follow-up question to that is, are there scenarios where you're like not just automatically negative matching, but you're like, oh, shoot, this is like an important keyword. Mm-hmm. I got to figure out why in the heck I'm not converting on it before I go and just blindly negative match it. So kind of like a two-prong question there. Yeah. Um, so th- this is this is where really the search query report kind of data comes into play. Um, we're looking at, hey, like four competitors, um, like is this performing kind of what's happening? Why aren't we getting sales? Um, we'll go ahead and test possibly changing out our titles, our images um, morph towards those keywords and seeing if we can produce some sales through that. Um, but again, it kind of goes back to like, what is the source of that keyword? Is it really a conversion keyword? Is it a discovery keyword? Like we have a few keywords that we spend thousands of dollars on a month on my own brands where we maybe get one or two sales. Like it's, it's at a loss, but we know it's a keyword that someone that's looking for our type of product uses as like their first term when they're trying to figure out which one to buy. And we just want to make sure that we're always top of mind. Um, Prior to Amazon Marketing Cloud, it was really hard to like distinguish that out and see that you were getting benefits from that. But now we're able to go a little bit deeper in that funnel and see that, like, yes, this is actually driving sales further down the funnel for us. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Now, on the ad- more advanced side, like you notice, I just threw on my my PackView uh, my PackView uh, jacket here. What what are you you know like? I know you've been using PackView for a while, but you know yeah. somebody out there might in general, not understand, like, you know, some of these services, you know, PackView is not like, oh yeah, you know, $49 a month subscriptions. I mean, no, we're, we're, it's, it's, it's a, you know, costs, costs some money to you. So at yep. what point does, does it make sense for somebody to, to like say, you know what, 
it, it, I'm, I'm overdoing these Excel spreadsheets. I need to use a software. And then what what makes a, a, a software suite like PackView so valuable? Like how to, you know, because you're not going to be paying money for something for you or your business or your clients that that doesn't give you good ROI. So why is it worth it for you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've been using PackView for gosh, almost like seven years now. I think we were one of the first like agencies at my prior agency to come onto the platform and we, we love it. Um, honestly, wouldn't go anywhere else. It was first thing I did when we came to Clear Ads, we actually started switching all the accounts over to PackView. Um, but in, in reality, I would say it's usable for every level of seller, but we've had a lot of accounts come to us that may be using it, but they don't know how to actually use PackView to its full advantages. They aren't taking advantage of all the automations and analytics that are on the back end there. Um, but I would say even if you're a smaller seller, like in using something that like Bradley said, is 49 to $59. Like, even though PackView is going to cost more, you're going to get so much more out of it. It'll make your ads been more efficient. You will see better results as a whole. Like, make the switch now because it's a lot easier to switch when you're starting out and you have very few campaigns. Like, migrating accounts over that have 400 campaigns already, like, it, it starts to get hard and you've got to really rework a lot of that. So, I believe in doing it right from day one and you're going to save yourself a lot of work down the line. Now, one of the things PackView does that, you know, I probably eventually is going to come to, to regular sellers who might have some visibility in this aspect, but it's kind of like the ability to do like day partying and things. So is that something that you guys actually do? Like, do you use that service of, of, of turning off ads or, or changing budgets at certain yeah. times a day? And if you are, what's your criteria when, when you're looking at that? Yeah, so we, we do use that on every single account. Um, we, we use it in one of two ways. Um, one is we're manually adjusting it based on like our peak sales hours that we know of, if it's a high-selling account. Um, but on other accounts, PackView actually has an awesome feature where you can set up a day partying scheduler based on conversion rates, click-through rates, number of orders by hour, and it will dynamically update that based on a trailing two-week, three-week period, whatever you set it to. So PackView really does a lot of the thinking for you and eliminates kind of that concern um, from your mind. All right, let's see. We've got from Dota. Uh, in Amazon PPC campaign, should I create one campaign containing an ad group for phrase, match, exact, and broad, or should I create each match uh, in their own campaign? Or like, like, so I guess he's saying like maybe he should have different ad groups in one campaign, or do mm -hmm. you just have like one ad group per match type per campaign? Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you why we do it a certain way. Um, I would say this is definitely kind of interchangeable depending upon how you want to manage your campaigns. But in order to have full and absolute control, you need to have a separate campaign for each of these. Um, a good example of this is um, we had a client who came to us. Um, they had a lot of mixes within their ad groups. Um, during Black Friday, Cyber Monday, they upped their bids with top of search modifier and they didn't realize um, that it would affect their broad targeting terms and they were spending like $7 on broad terms and just getting placements everywhere and tank the performance. Um, so we always break them out into their own campaigns and then even from there, we'll typically segment out like superhero keywords into their own single keyword campaigns. 
Okay, excellent. Let me see. We've got another one here from Kim. Kim K. I don't think it's the the Kim K. Uh, that <laughs> uh, hey guys, do you have a calculation that you use to determine how much to adjust bids? Long-standing uh, sponsor campaigns, with lots of history. Is the focus target ACOS? Thanks in advance. Yeah. Um, so this is pretty easy. You can um, put together a pretty simple formula to figure out bids based on your target ACOS. Um, so um, off the top of my head, and I could be saying this wrong, we have it in an Excel sheet, but you're really just looking at cost per click, um, times conversion rates, um, and then equals your ACOS um, over that. Uh, I would say we typically don't optimize any campaigns towards ACOS. I think it's something that's been brought up a lot across like the Amazon ecosystem and it's never really the best metric to look at. Um, we've had a lot of accounts that have come to us where their sales have depleted over the last year, year and a half, and they're running very efficient, like 20% ACOS tacos are like three to 5%. Like the account looks healthy, but you're undermining the daily velocity per keyword that you can achieve, which ultimately kills your organic ranks. And then you may not see it now or three months from now, but six months from now, you're going to be like, what the heck happened? And it's really hard to climb yourself back out of that pit. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. But just in general, before I go into some more specific ones that I had, you know, we recently had Amazon unbox and there was a number mm -hmm. of uh, announcements, one of them being uh, sponsored TV that, that create a lot of buzz. But the question I think a lot of people have is, is, well, that's still something, oh, maybe only for humongous, you know, sellers. Like, first of all, is that true or is there a path to to using sponsored TV for, you know, may, maybe there's a low seven figure seller, high six figure seller. And then is it kind of only for brand awareness or do you think that there's, you know, with the way that they're doing it sometimes with QR codes, you know, like, like on Black Friday uh, football uh, game that they had where there's a direct to purchase link or is it more for brand awareness, do you think? Yeah. Um, so we, we ran some over um, Black Friday, Cyber Monday across large and small brands and actually saw decent performance on quite a bit of them. Um, I would say the biggest factor that really drove it was the quality of creative. Um, a lot of our, our smaller brands didn't have the creative backbone to really fulfill a huge uh, TV push like that. Um, and that's probably the guardrail that smaller brands are going to have trouble getting over. Like you can't take a $200 video off of Fiverr and put it on TV and expect it to do well. Um, so really focusing in on the creative and making it more like a TV commercial definitely helped for us. Um, but we did have some very basic like stop motion slide animated videos with just some text over them and they did pretty well as well. So I would say it's worth trying out. Um, just make sure you're really narrowing down those audiences that you're targeting because the CPMs on it are extremely high. Um, but test it, put $20, $30 behind it per day and just really see what you can do. Um, I do think this will kind of be a big lever that larger brands can definitely lean more into to increase that awareness as they tap out other pieces of DSP and Amazon ads. Um, but smaller brands is like, it's just as evil, even as a playing field, but the creative does have to be elevated. Okay. William says, 
Should I expect to see profit from PPC? I rarely see profit. However, the volume of sales increases where I, I see profit. I, maybe he's kind of like talking a little bit of tacos here yeah. or, or like, you know, people, I think the narrative nowadays, what you hear when you hear sellers is, oh my goodness, like PPC is so expensive. Um, like, I don't even know how I can be profitable, but it's not all, you're not always trying to just make profit on the exact ad, uh, right? Uh, talk a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah. So like one question I, I always ask sellers that even like potential clients that come to us um, when they're complaining about profits or, or tacos or ACOS, I'm like, what's your CPA? Um, and honestly, I can count on one hand the number of people that actually knew their CPAs by product that we've talked to. Every other edge channel, you look at CPAs, whether you're running on Meta, TikTok, whatever, you're looking at CPAs. And every time we've run the numbers, the CPAs are way cheaper on Amazon than they are on any other channel. Um, what that means is, yes, probably there are some categories where you're going to run PPC at a loss. Like on my brand, main brands, we run PPC at a loss because it keeps our velocities up. It keeps our organic rankings up. And you'll see those metrics in your tacos. So Really, tacos is kind of your guiding light on that, but really setting in stone a target CPA and not adjusting your bids based on a cost or tacos. But as long as you're hitting that target CPA, you're continuing to see growth. That's what we really like to maximize towards. Okay, excellent. Thank you for that, uh, William. Uh, Guarav says, hey, Amazon PPC is getting costly. What's a strategy to play with broad keywords? And then maybe I can piggyback on that and and take a step back, you know, broad, it seemingly has almost changed over the last, you know, like year or so, like, you know, like yeah. I could kind of predict what would come with broad. Like I would use helium 10 magnet. I would uh, do the smart complete. And then I could see like all the broad kind of variations. Like, okay, I kind of know what could potentially come up here. Now I might have coffin shelf as a broad match and then I'll get thrown in like Gothic decor, like not even the same, doesn't even share the same keyword. And so maybe I'm not sure if that's what he's talking about there, how, how it might be getting more expensive. And then if, if so, like, like, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Um, so I'll answer this and then I'll answer more about kind of what you went into Bradley. Cause I, I think that's a bigger picture that people need to look into and the future of Amazon. Um, but really when we're running broad, we're running modified broad campaigns so that we're at least trying to get more exact towards what we wanted. I, I will say it doesn't always work. Sometimes you still get those keywords way out of left field, but you have a bit more control. Um, but I would focus again, really on the search query performance data and the product opportunity explorer. Like Amazon is telling you specifically what keywords are being searched and what's being purchased. Broad isn't as useful for us as it used to be. Like all of that data now is getting piped back to us and using Helium 10, using PackView, you can find pretty much every keyword that's going to be a converting keyword. Um, the biggest thing that we've seen Broad actually do for us here recently, and I would say for the last six months, is it's allowed us to catch on to like TikTok trends that are um basically going viral and it's picking up those keywords quicker than we would be able to pick them up. So that has been a huge opportunity. Um, but there are a lot of other like TikTok specific tools that you can use to kind of find those trending things to get them into your ad campaigns. Um, the bigger thing kind of on how broad has expanded is 
Amazon, like Google and other search engines, is really kind of shifting towards a semantic search, which is why like you're coming up for Gothic decor and things like that. And you've probably heard other people in the space talking about semantics. Um, this has been key in like Google SEO for the last few years. Um, and it's only going to get more and more relevant in Amazon as Amazon starts to switch more towards an AI learning model um, for their specific search. So a lot of what we've been doing and working on is, for example, typically if you're creating your listing, you find your keywords through Helium 10, you'd use um, scribbles to craft your listing, make sure you get all your keywords in there. But like in your example, Gothic decor, that is a huge semantic keyword that is relevant to your, your coffin. Um, we would go ahead and put that on the back end or try and figure out how to fit it into the bullet points because it's just a check mark that Amazon's looking for now because semantically they're saying you should say something about Gothic with your current product. And a lot of products that we've been optimizing towards this on, we've seen success like crazy. Um, probably more than anything else that we've done in the last like year and a half. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Let's see. Gaurav has another question here. What would be the ideal ratio of performing and non-performing keywords in broad? Not sure if I understand that question fully, but do you know? I I would say like in in broad, you're going to have, a lot more non-performing just because of the the control factor, unless you're using a lot of negatives, negative phrases um, throughout it. Um, I would say we don't really look at the ratio of performing and non-performing in broad um, because really where we're caring about performance is on our exact match. We aren't caring as much here. We're using this to seed keywords. So even if they are performing, they aren't staying in broad that long if they are. So typically for us, it'd be like 90 to 95% are non-performing. Okay. Now, um, switching gears to auto campaigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your strategy as far as like the, you know, close match, you know, loose match substitutes? Do you, do you keep them all in one campaign or do you actually segregate those, those, those targets in separate auto campaigns? Yeah. So we actually mix it up. Um, we've seen hit or miss performance on these when we break them out, um, for whatever reason, sometimes they, they work better, even with the exact same bids when they're all together. I don't know why that happens, but uh, we, we typically test both. And then whichever one's performing, we pause out the others and let one continue on. Um, we do do a lot of negative um, matching in our auto campaigns that we're bidding on elsewhere. Um, but we do also always still run a, like, super low bid auto campaign. Um, we negate out branded terms and run them at like 30 cents per click. And like, I was just looking at an account before I hopped on here last week, one of them got 135 sales for like $22. Like mm-hmm. these campaigns still work. Um, like I've used them honestly, as long as I've been selling on Amazon and we always set them up for all of our products. Now, you know, going back to software, you know, software like PackView, Atomic, you know, one cool thing that we can do is, you know, I could just see a search term, but not just at the campaign level. I could see it in all all campaigns. So like, let's say in an auto campaign, for example, um, it, you know, like I, I got Coffin Shelf. 
And, you know, in that campaign, I had, you know, 40 clicks and zero sales. And let's say I felt that it wasn't too relevant of a keyword. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to keep spending money on this. Obviously, at 40 clicks, you know, I, I would negative match it. But, you know, with the software, I can see that, hey, you know, it's getting impressions and clicks in, you know, a broad campaign over here, maybe uh, an exact campaign uh, over here. But in those campaigns, there's only like, maybe five clicks. So theoretically speaking, if I was just looking at that campaign in isolation, there might not have been enough information to be a negative match. But since you have so many negative or, or, or clicks with no sales in one campaign, do you just go ahead and say, you know what, across the board, I don't want this keyword showing up in any of these campaigns. Or do you, do you let the, the number, do you let it roll? Do you let it ride in mm -hmm. those other campaigns? Yeah, so great question. Um, this is actually a feature pack view that we use every single day um, because you see a lot of variance in this. Um, and even like moving keywords over to exact match, but it may be in phrase at a bid, like a third of what your exact match one is. For whatever reason, the phrase one is serving like crazy and you're getting sales, the exact match one isn't. Um, so we look at this daily and we're trying to figure out one, like why isn't our exact match getting served? Like, Hey, what's going on here? Um, and adjusting the bids and keeping a close eye on it. Um, but typically if we're seeing performance elsewhere, we'll keep it on. Um, mainly because we don't know exactly where that ad is appearing. Um, like, I mean, we now know like top of search, rest of search product pages, mm -hmm. but we don't really know granular details. Um, this is also something that Packview does really well. Um, when you have your share of voice turned on, you can see exactly where your ads appearing and what placement, what percentage of time. Um, so using Packview or I actually, I don't know any other tools that do it as deep as Packview does on that. We've been able to really narrow it down and figure out like, Hey, this one's performing really well in slot four of ad positions. Like we can't get served for this one in slot two or three. Um, and we can, readjust our entire strategy for that keyword for position four and actually set up automations in PackView to make sure we're always in sponsored position four. Nice. Now, speaking of that, how, how are you keeping at top of search? You know, like I'm kind of old school where, you know, I, I, you know, you're, you're more old school than me, but you know, like in my days when I first started learning PPC, there was no, you know, top of search modifier and things like that. You just raise and lower the bits. And I, I kind of kept doing that. Cause like, you know, I obviously with helium 10, I, I'll turn on the boost in, in keyword mm -hmm. tracker and it's checking 24 times a day, rotating, you know, addresses and browsing scenarios. So I kind of like, know, am I showing up in top of search and, and, and sponsor or not? And I've just kind of like kept doing that now are you still doing that or or do you use those those you know like hey i'm going to go 200 percent for top of search and, or, or some kind of formula like that yeah so i'll say when the bid modifiers first came out like they were amazing we could bid like 60 cents with 900 percent top of search and get crazy conversions and everything was great too many people are using them now and it's kind of just the battle of who's going to pay more to get that position um, what we've actually switched most accounts over to is actually using PackView uh, organic and paid position bidding. Um, so we'll set up rules to basically increase the bids until we're in position one. And that will like set our new base bid if we're going for top of search. And then we'll use that and then look at our percentage of serving time through PackView into that and adjust as needed. Um, like 
one nice feature is you can set like, I want a 90% top of search um, share of voice for this keyword and PackView will automatically update your bid without the modifiers because sometimes using the modifiers can get out of hand quickly and you could spend your whole budget in one day if the keyword's big enough um, within a few hours on one of the 50 keywords in your campaign. So we really rely on PackView to figure a lot of that out for us and optimize the perfect position for our ads. And we've kind of stepped back away from modifiers. Um, the one place we do still use them quite frequently, though, is product page modifiers. We do a lot of um, product targeting where that's really what we're going after. Um, and it, it does seem to still work well for us there. Um, rest of search hasn't been a great modifier for us as of yet. Um, we have better success using set rules and pack view to manage that versus the rest of search mm-hmm. modifier. Okay, cool. I, I got to fight to bring that into uh, Atomic. I didn't know that pack view uh, had that. Nice. Uh, yeah. Two part question here from Duda. Um, how would you use these keywords? Electrolyte protein phrase match and then electrolyte protein powder phrase match. My issue is that they are my main keyword, but they generate different variations in customer search terms with different variations with only one click or two the most. Out of those 50 different search terms that get that those main keywords are generated, how do I pick those that converted? So I'm assuming that he's got two targets here and and that maybe he's only he's getting clicks on a whole bunch of long tail versions of this, perhaps, if I'm deciphering this correctly? Yeah. Um, so I, w- I would say it depends on how that campaign is set up. So like in a typical phrase match campaign for us, we would never put those keywords into the same mm. ad group or campaign because electrolyte protein is electrolyte protein powder phrase. Um, if you do have them split out into separate campaigns, um, if you have different bids there, like one's going to serve over the other always, um, like you have no real control in that. So I would say if it were me, I would just do electrolyte protein as a phrase match and get rid of any type of variation possible and use that as kind of my guiding light. If you aren't getting served, um, typically I, I know that's a, high volume category, your budgets probably aren't enough within that campaign to keep it serving constantly. And you're getting like middle of page or bottom of page placements. Um, So that's how it's kind of getting your budget throughout the day. I would test increasing the budget on that campaign and seeing what it scales up to. And you'll probably see a bit more even click distribution between those. Okay, cool. Uh, Sergio has a question here. Hey, same when launching, you tell your friends and family, your brand and your product, and hey, hey, go buy it. Should I do an exact campaign for the brand name so they don't have to scroll? So first of all, at least it's good that you're not like, you know, don't be doing, you know, search, find, buy things or something, which it sounds like you're not. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't even have this question. And hopefully you're not, you're telling your friends and family, do not leave your reviews just just at all to make sure that you're not getting in trouble with Amazon. But yeah, if, if you're trying to get your friends to support your product, um, I mean, I, I think regardless, if you're trying to get your friends and family to support your product, shouldn't you always, uh, target your brand name or, um, that's only kind of like when you're a more of a mature brand, uh, is, is does that really come into play? What do you think? Yeah. Um, I, w- I would say it depends on your brand name. If it's a unique brand name that like nothing else is really going to come up for, like 
Yeah, um, I wouldn't run ads, um, but if it's something that could be construed as something else, I would definitely run some ads to get it towards the top. Um, the one thing I would say about this, and it's, it's something that we do when we're launching and you're telling friends, family, anyone about it, um, we leave it kind of bland or like bland and just say, hey, like electrolyte protein powder, like, hey, this is my brand and it's a protein powder. I would really appreciate if you can buy it. You're not telling them to go search find by by keywords, mm-hmm. but if you tell them that hey, it's protein powder and it's the brand name, they're probably going to search protein powder that brand name yeah. without yeah. you doing anything, um, because it's always better. Which is why search find buys work to get a real keyword in there beyond your brand. But even just pumping the brand name does work um, as well. We've seen it like with TikTok, like brand name searches can skyrocket you for every other keyword that you're relevant hmm. for. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, William says, uh, yeah, this is a universal question. I I think that, or universal debate, I I think for successful exact keywords, do you recommend making those keywords negative in the broad? Uh, some people teach that although you're converting for a keyword in exact, do not remove that keyword from, uh, broad. Um, yeah, so this is debated quite a bit. Um, and I'll tell you from our experience, it can kind of go either way. Like sometimes we'll negate it in broad and then the exact stops performing. Um, sometimes we'll leave it and the broad performs better. Like it can go either way. I would say it's something that you should definitely test. Amazon ads is still kind of finicky on some of these things for whatever reason. Um, older campaigns still tend to work better for us. So if your broad campaign's older than your exact match, it may still continue to outperform for a little bit. Um, but what we do typically do is if we're going to leave it in broad, we lower the bids in broad on that specific keyword quite a bit and try and give the exact match as much room to run as it possibly could. Okay, cool. Um, let's see. Hina has a question. I have 10 variations. They're not uh, page one ranked. What strategy can I apply to get a good conversion on it? So I'm not sure exactly what he's saying here, but let me, let me just change this into another question here. Like, you know, I've got, uh, you know, betting that has, you know, a bunch of variations uh, or, or a you know, consumable that has a whole bunch of different flavors. Um, are you putting all the variations into one campaign? Do you have different campaigns for each variation? Do you only promote maybe one or two child items out of the whole variation. What's your strategy on variation items for PPC? Yeah. So we, we run a lot of variations. Um, this is the one place where we do run ad groups. Um, so like our main products, the the main variation is flavor. Um, so like if someone's searching for a lemon flavored one, like you obviously don't want that running against a chocolate flavored one. So like an exact match campaign would have an ad group for each flavor and we'd be breaking out the different flavor variances within there. If it's a more broad term um, that doesn't include a flavor name, we're usually pushing it towards our hero product within that variation. Um, But something that you can definitely test, I would say one thing to look at is search query performance um, and also the top... um, I think they call it top like search term report. Now it used to be the old brand analytics report Mm -hmm. and see what the other top click products are. Like in our instance, if someone's searching for um, like a sugar cookie, it may be that they're searching for a specific flavor and you can see that by the click through rate and uh, conversion share rates from brand analytics. 
Cool. Now, before we get into your final strategy of the day, uh, can you talk a little bit about clear ads um, and who, you know, who, who yeah. you guys might be able to help the, the most and what you guys do? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we're an ads agency um, based in the UK. Uh, we work with sellers and actually every single Amazon marketplace now. So can help you across the board there. Um, we also do offer like full service management. So if you're looking for content creation, listing optimizations, or even just day-to-day like inventory management, case log management, we uh, can help you with all of it. Um, we also run DSP. So pretty much A to Z on Amazon, we've got you covered. Um, and many of you may know George, um, the founder. Um, he's everywhere. Um, so yeah, head us up if you need any help with any of those things. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Now, um, 60 second strategy of the day could be about PPC. It could be about search career performance, could be about how to live as a foreigner in Barcelona. It could be about anything you want. So go ahead. All right. Um, so I'm going to take it away and I'm going to do, uh, outside traffic to Amazon. Um, so I think, one of the big questions that Search Query Report has brought up with a lot of people is like, hey, these sales numbers in here are extremely low. I know I'm selling more for this keyword or this product. Like, why isn't this represented? And I think majority of people don't ever look at outside traffic to listings and what's happening. But if you actually take the time to dive deeper, you would be amazed at how much traffic comes straight to your listing from other sources outside of Amazon. Um one great way to do this is how we do it. Um, you can use SEMrush or Ahrefs or really any kind of SEO tool. Plug in your canonical um, Amazon URL and just see like what articles have been written about you that you know nothing about. Where are you getting posted on social? It will highlight all of these things. Um, but really the big key factor that we've been looking at is if you have a competitor in your category that you just you can't figure out how they're doing things, Chances are it's all coming from outside of Amazon and that's why you can't mm-hmm. compete. So doing this simple search, you can see like, hey, these are the bloggers that are talking about it. These are the articles that they got. You can reach out to those people directly. Most of those positions are paid. Like, don't trust any of those top 10 articles. They're all paid. Um, you can reach out and pay for those. And sites like Ahrefs, SEMrush will tell you how much traffic that blog post is generating. So you can kind of estimate what your return is going to be on that dollar. Um, I would say another big piece that we've been kind of working on for these is for a lot of terms like your your coffin example. Like there's no one out there that has a website about coffins, like Mm -hmm. that specific product. It would take you with AI a few days to whip together a basic WordPress site that has everything you would ever want to know about small coffins. And Mm -hmm. since no one else is writing about that, you're going to rank in Google like top three within a few weeks. If you're Mm -hmm. in these categories where there isn't that much competition or it's a unique product, start making some micro sites. Um, Like I've shared some examples at some prior um, events and presentations. We have a few of these micro sites that are giving us seven to 8,000 people a month now to our Amazon listings. And we used AI for the entire process. Um, So it took us maybe an hour per site and they just continue to produce. And the big thing with that is it's a traffic channel that no one else can really steal from you because most people aren't looking at this and you'll always kind of stay at the top of your category because your velocities will just always be higher. 
that might be something I'd like to dive into if you are able to come out in January, like, like yeah. your, your step-by-step uh, case study on that. That sounds fascinating. All right. Well, uh, Matt, thank you so much for uh, joining us. I know it's uh, late over there. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, no hopefully problem. we get to see you in, uh, in January. Sounds good. Thanks for having me.